Welcome to the drdavidmarlin.com Stable Science Podcast. I'm Dr. David Marlin, and along with a great team of experts, I'm helping horse owners and riders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. In these podcasts, we will discuss science-led research, technology, information, and advice to help you care for your horses so they may live healthier, happier, and longer lives. To support the podcast and all our research and science for horses, go to our website, www.drdavidmarlin.com, and to learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to another Dr. David Marlin podcast. This week we have two exciting guests um, to have a nice discussion with. Um, I'm lucky to have with me today Joe Hockenhall, who has been on the Dr. David Marlin platform before with a couple of webinars. And it's lovely to meet Linda Burke, who is also here. Um, the two of them have agreed to come on today to have a chat with us about their exciting new research that they are doing, and we're keen for everybody to be involved. So welcome, Joe. Welcome, Linda. Thank you very much. Um, so let's start by finding a little bit more about you. I'm going to go to you first, Joe, if I may, because you're probably quite well known to the Dr. David Marlin members, having done two webinars with us before um, about horse and human relationships. So, Joe, could you share a little bit of information about yourself, please? So, um, I'm an animal welfare researcher. Um, I've been doing that for about, scarily, about 13 years now. So, I've been based at Bristol Vet School. Um, I'm just finishing a role at the Royal Veterinary College and about to start um, a new job at the Donkey Sanctuary as head of research but um you mentioned the the human horse relationship um webinars I did before and 
and really that's been like a, a lifelong interest in how relationships form and develop and, and what makes a good relationship compared to a bad relationship um so yes um that's um I guess what gave rise to the research we're talking to you about today and that's really what drew me and Linda together when we, I was doing my PhD at Chester. Fantastic Linda uh, lovely to meet you um would you mm -hmm. share a little bit of information about yourself? Yes technically I'm retired but uh, I was fairly recently a um, visiting professor in anthropology which is the study of, of human animal relationships really. Uh, at Chester, which is how I met Jo, as she just said. My background was originally in animal behaviour, but I've always had a lifelong interest in animal welfare and have been quite uh, heavily involved in the development of the study of human-animal relationships as a particular se separate discipline. And within that, of course, I had to focus on horses because I'm a lifelong horsewoman, having done all sorts of uh, competitive disciplines. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Joe and I met and we were talking about how we might do some research together. And so that led to the project that um, is the precursor to this. Fantastic. So this um, particular research study you're doing at the moment is the human horse relationship. Um, and it's got two parts, doesn't it? Um, and yeah. I actually think we're missing somebody, aren't we? You've got a Finnish counterpart that's also working on this study, Nora. Would one of you be kind enough to explain who Nora is, please? Uh, yes, Nora's background is in sociology, but she's become, like, she's another lifelong horsewoman. She's very interested in human-animal relationships and works very hard in that. Uh, and she's done some work with um, Alex Franklin, who was at the University of Cardiff. I'm not sure where she is now. Um, and uh, they've done some work on processes of, of dealing with horses that are nearing the end of their life. What, what does that mean for the human? So she's particularly interested in how we deal with, and the horse deals with loss. Um, so that that's her particular interest, and we'll come to that in a minute when we talk about her, the project. Fantastic. Um, and just to say to every straight away, so I don't forget to say it, um, the website horsehumanrelation.com is a website about the study and what you three are doing together. But I have also noticed on the website, having done my research and had a little look, that um, there is more information about you ladies on there and there is also uh, links to previous studies and work that you guys have done. So particularly for the Dr. David Marling group, I know that there are lots of um, keen students, um, students of horses, but also actual academic students who will be keen to go on there and have a look at some of your previous work. So just to signpost that early doors, there's lots of great links in there to the information as as well, I should add, uh, Joe's webinars on the website for replay. So everybody go back and watch them because they're awesome. Even, even we've got one with Roland Tong on there, which is an absolute giggle, but really, <laughs> really good webinar as well. So tell me what, um, what sparked this? Cause I feel like Dr. David Marlin may have had a little yes. something to do with it. Yes, he was certainly involved. So this is something that, that Linda and I have been talking about for ages. We've done a, a sort of precursor study where we've been looking at um, familiar and unfamiliar pairs of humans working together and that was something I talked about in the horse human relationship webinar um, that Dr David Marlin asked me to do and then after that we just got 
talking and I don't know if that's still included on the cut of the webinar on the website but we were having a proper good old discussion about wouldn't it be amazing to to really dive in more deeply into relationships between horses and people and how they develop and um yeah so I mentioned that that's something we were definitely up for doing but obviously it's not something you can study experimentally it's you know it's something that's naturally occurring all the time and sadly I couldn't find anyone that would give me a research budget to buy some horses and develop relationships with them myself so if um, you do I'm up for that yeah okay I'll, I'll totally count you in it's my it's my dream grant one day um and I'll be able to progress beyond rabbits for like the first time in my life but yeah so um David very kindly said wow that sounds like a sort of citizen science project that um maybe our members would like to get involved with and I just leapt on him well obviously <laughs> on him physically because he wasn't there but was desperate like yes that would be absolutely fantastic because so many people obviously um in his group and um and having that opportunity to hear about people's experiences and work with them on a project like this would be amazing so I sort of scurried away and excitedly emailed Linda and Linda was like obviously quite excited too and and Linda contacted Nora um about that so and then that was how it was all sort of that's how it was born really oh that's fantastic and I, I think something that rings true particularly from having been on and watched your webinars is that it is such a discussion point anybody who has had horses or been with horses or worked with horses or ridden the discussions around relationships and the horses they get on with and feel close to oh, yeah. you know are we well we could just talk for days and days and days couldn't we really i'll be quite happy with that to be honest that's, that's yeah. the reason for this project <laughs> oh fantastic so um part one is um i'm guessing the, well, let's start with part one um how horses and their people interact and work together uh as well as looking at new relationships what um what's the driving force there what are you looking to to see and understand do you feel well, I'll chip in there because what we did, uh, Joe's mentioned it briefly, but what we did in the original study was we asked familiar and unfamiliar handlers to handle a horse doing something very simple, just walking around some simple ob obstacles. We didn't want to tackle riding because that then becomes too complicated. With depend Everything depends on how good a rider somebody is. So we wanted yeah. some people handling horses on the ground. Um, and the familiar person was usually the person who owned the horse, of course. Uh, and then we'd get asked the horse to be handled by somebody unfamiliar, which might be somebody at the same yard uh, or a different yard or on one or two occasions, Joe herself did it. Uh, and then we filmed this interaction and we were just interested in, in seeing what sort of differences there were. And some of these you, could, you can actively measure how the horse moves it, itself in relation to, to him or herself in relation to the person. Um, and we can also measure what researchers would call qualitative differences. That is things that are very quite hard to quantify, but which you can get people to agree on. And so we could show the videos to groups of students and they could all say the same thing. That pairing is, is working together and that pairing is not. And it was very clear that in their descriptions, and then you go back and you look at the, uh, do the number crunching and you look at, at what happens. And perhaps the most striking thing was I was able to measure uh, like the distance between the point of the shoulder on the video of a human and the and the um, bottom of the head collar under the horse's chin. And with an unfamiliar person, it was much more variable. 
In other words, if, you're, if a horse is used to being handled by one particular person, he or she will track that person. And of course, the person is tracking the horse. It doesn't matter whether they're slightly ahead of the horse, slightly behind the horse, it tends to stay within the same parameters. And so we became very curious about how does this develop over time? So if somebody has a horse that's relatively new to them, um, does this develop slowly? Is it something that happens quite quickly? Can we actually track that? And it may not be that easy to, to track it, but uh, that's why we think using some of the actual measures as well as descriptors that are qualitative would be really, really useful uh, and do this over a period of time. Uh, we appreciate that that requires a commitment of time on the part of participants. Um, and do you want me to also say a bit about Nora's, the other second half of it? I think that would be wonderful. Yeah, definitely. OK, Please. well, we were very interested in Nora's work about loss. Um, and she's, she and Alex have studied um, how people justify, if you like, handing a horse over to a retirement home. So in a way, this is saying um, goodbye to the horse, but knowing it's going to be well looked after. And um, we were also interested in the idea of what happens to horses when they change homes. And mm. personal experience, you said, I've seen it so many times, and so have my good friends who are experienced with horses. A horse can arrive in your yard and it, it's almost like there's nobody home for a while. It's a little bit switched off. And then slowly the horse begins to open himself up or herself and you start to build a relationship. And so that made us think that the initial stages of being moved to a new yard or to a new owner and yard is actually in a way a slight sense of loss for the horse who is trying to make sense of it all. Uh, and I don't know if we could ever get to study that, but that was part of what drove us to think about including that. And so we approached Nora and um, we want people to talk about anything to do with, with loss or grief in relation to the horse. That could be from their own perspective or what they observe in a horse. Uh, so that's the two halves of the study. Um, it's, it's quite a lot and we will be spending a lot of time analysing people's responses. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine that considering the results aren't numbers and dots and dashes, they're, um, you know, you have to take into account so many different situations that you'll be watching and seeing as well. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, I'm um, intrigued by both aspects of it because you're also taking in, it's not just horse and horse, you know, human and horse and the, the mm -hmm. different emotions and feelings that come with that. It's... Um, sometimes you know when we move horses from yard to yard you talk about quarantine periods and biosecurity mm. but mm. that you, you do we ever contemplate how the horse is feeling at, at, during those times mm. when they're probably stabled off a herd animal on their own taken yeah. out of what they're used to and their comfortable mm. surroundings and routine i mean we talk about horses and dogs and their routines all the time horses banging the door when you're it's two minutes past 7 a.m. and <laughs> breakfast is clearly hours late. Um, they they they're so used to their routines, aren't they? Oh, that's mm. fascinating. And sorry, how? Sorry. sorry, go on. No, just sort of butting in on on the moving side of things. Like sort of with my previous research on horses, it's something that's come up a lot. Is you know a reason a lot of horses are sold on because they don't develop that 
that click straight away with an owner and it's or they perceive that they've got a very different horse from the one they went to try at its old yard mm -hmm. and again it was sort of trying to understand what are the implications of that that loss so yeah. this is like yeah. the first step into really looking at that and then in my overexcited welfare head I'm like oh wow this will solve problems around rehoming things um because I know some of the charities get a lot of their horses back that shave rehomed mm. because they're, they're very different out in their new home um and my current project on former racehorses again it's finding very very much the same thing they try them at the, a center or at someone's yard and then get them home and it's a very different animal and and understanding that what what the horse is experiencing when it's having that that loss that transition phase as it moves to somewhere completely new I think it's mm -hmm. really important just to trying to do what we can to to make it easier yeah In interesting isn't it if I'm thinking of the situations I've been through personally where um a horse it comes towards the time where it needs to be sold on for whatever reason maybe you've outgrown it or your competition or work life has changed and the horse goes to move on but during that period they probably get ridden less probably get a little bit less attention as they're about to be sold on come to a new yard you know what it's like you know for want of a better phrase it's a new toy you want to brush it you want to plait it you want to take it and show it to everybody and you want to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It, it, the poor horse will be thinking, blimey, I've gone from chilling out in a field to all of a sudden my shoes are being, are being, my feet are being painted every day and I'm on display. It must be quite overwhelming. And yeah. um, complete, like you say, you, it's not the horse that you went to see that was yeah. nice and relaxed in the field. But then as part of that, they're developing this new relationship with their new human and, and yeah, sort of looking at how that evolves, I think it's just, and how much time it can take in some situations because it's going to vary for different people in different pairings and mm. it's just having that appreciation that you know there isn't there isn't going to be a, a one-size-fits-all right or you know if it's not there by four weeks and you've got a problem type thing it's it's just mm. trying to capture that whole the different spectrum of people's experiences mm. and like certainly oh. with the racehorse stuff some people were saying it took about a year for them to really feel that they've got the trust of that horse and and then they had an amazing relationship after that, but they had to give it that time. So, yeah. And, and one of the things that, that is very understudied is the, is the use of, let's say, body language. How much of this yeah. is expressed non-verbally? And I was mm. very struck by analysing the, the videos in the original study. There was one horse who was quite a stressy mare, and she, she wasn't very happy when being led with um, an unfamiliar person, who was Joe. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> It was interesting because at one point, while we were getting the horse ready to be led, the owner went and stood some distance behind her. And the horse, you could see in her body language, the, the ears were moving a lot, the tail was clamped down and, and, and swishing, and she was very tense in her, her, her muscular tone. And then as soon as she could see the, the, the owner moving behind, uh, she relaxed. Really? You could mm. see it so clearly in the way that her muscle tone shifted and her ears changed and her tail changed. Um, she was the most marked of the lot, but, yeah. uh, you know, it really struck me watching that in slow motion, what a big change it was and how sometimes we can see these things and sometimes we miss them. Mm. So certainly at the time, I hadn't realised that was happening. It wasn't until you found no. it on the video in slow That's motion. Right. It was so obvious. Mm. It's interesting as well to think that how often um, 
you know a farrier might take your horse out you're not there no farrier might rock up to do their shoes or or whatever and they might be experiencing a very different horse to what you're mm. you're used to sit you're used to experiencing um mm. Mm. even just in those sort of week by week interactions isn't it mm. Mm. um so when your original study how how many um interactions did you did you look at was you know over what kind of period I'm really interested to to learn what was in involved there well we had 20 horse pairings um so so each horse was done with was walked around with a familiar person an unfamiliar person doesn't sound very much but when you're dealing with the the in-depth analysis that, of the tapes and, and the qualitative measures that we were doing it, that's plenty it's <laughs> a very long time <laughs> um so you do have to, to spend a long time analyzing material um in yeah slow motion and then looking at it frame by frame so it's a very very slow process uh so yes it was 20 but the the results were pretty clear cut too mm. um and it was so interesting getting my students at chester to to look at these paired videos without knowing which was which i just said i want you to describe in your own words which how how you would talk about this horse human pairing but we, we can be looking at these things in, in a great deal of detail. Um, and the students were very interesting. You, you're, pair, you're showing them the videos side by side and they have to use their own words to describe them. And they would describe one as being, oh yes, that, that one is much more, they're working together. That one is much more disorganized. So they were always implicitly comparing them um, and, and the language that they used always seemed to be very similar. <laughs> You, know, you could you could pick out that these two were stressed and these two were less stressed um and it was quite clear did you notice any or um report of any differences between um sex uh mares or geldings not particularly of the horses and, and most of the, the human participants were women <laughs> yeah yeah no, just interesting because we always talk about naughty mares and all these sorts of mm. things. And um, it, it, it's, from recent discussions, it, it often seems quite unfair. Um, yeah. And also, likewise, with with people working with horses. Oh, he's a natural horseman, or oh, she can do anything with horses. Um, but like, but like you've you've discovered from what from the initial study that it is quite often the relationship um that dictates the success of how they work together i assume yeah yeah and obviously that's liable to translate into riding but we couldn't possibly measure that i mean i don't know even know how you can begin to do that it's very difficult um because of the technical skills involved in riding so we, we thought we'd keep it simple and on the ground <laughs> yeah and also there's that horrible thing of when someone gets on your horse and it performs beautifully that um always shows you up and is often your riding instructor that goes you go you get on and show me then and they do and you go oh okay fine oh, I best lesson. yeah that is one um, thing we found in the first study because the human handlers who, who knew their horses so it's the owners typically going with that particular horse they seem to be more stressed when it was their own horse because obviously mm -hmm. they, they had that they wanted to do well and not let the horse down and and we we're talking to them afterwards so they were slightly more tense sometimes in the with their yeah. own horse than they were with an unfamiliar performance anxiety exactly. isn't it yeah. it's like yeah. we're just asking you to walk around some blocks it's okay <laughs> <laughs> um 
I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, oh, fantastic. So who are you hoping is going to be involved in the new study? Do you have any parameters of the type of people you're looking to be involved or are you hoping you're going to get a wide breadth? We would like a wide breadth. I mean, anybody who's got a new horse and then therefore a new relationship with that horse and who's willing to to tell us about it and do some filming, because that that is the time consuming bit from the point of view of the horse owner is we're asking mm. them to, to to do some filming, um, just leading the horse around a, a few obstacles, nothing, you know, like cones or something like that, obstacles on the ground so that we see changes of direction. Yeah, so we. You're sort of saying hopefully that I mean, we're going for like total optimistic ideal scenario here, but um, every two weeks would be amazing for sort of maybe up to six weeks if, if they feel happy enough to do that. But it's just so that we can see if there's any change, any changes over time um, mm. and, and how they're doing those different tasks. Um, but, you know, you're you're very welcome to join in without doing the video as well. There is sort of um, a part on the website where you can just upload basically your description about how how your relationship with your horse is developing so we're totally interested in that as well but videos would be like the icing on the cake and we'd be yeah. grateful yeah. for anyone to help with that and I assume I'm writing saying that you don't have to be competing at any kind of level it's yeah. just for Not anybody who yeah. has uh, a horse happy or to lead their horse in a head collar around changes of direction and some obstacles really or bridle yeah. doesn't have to be a head collar oh, it could be a bridle Fantastic. They just fantastic. don't need to get on it, basically. Mm. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Um, and the second part of the study, which I appreciate is probably Nora's um, overseeing this part of it. What's required of the participants in that section? Because obviously this is a, a little bit more tricky to discuss in some ways, I would imagine, for some people. Yes, and we do um, direct people to um, support if what they're talking about is actually going to upset them, because clearly if you've lost a horse and that's the, the sort of uh, through death and um, haven't, haven't had the horse, horse euthanized, then that's the kind of thing that can trigger all sorts of emotions. And we do want people to feel able to, to um, talk to us, but at the same time to get help with if they need to. Um, the, this is completely... Um, qualitative in, in the sense that we're asking people to do is to send in descriptions of, of how they feel and how they've observed their horses which will then be analyzed um, in detail mm. they might send some photographs in as well or perhaps a video but we leave that optional that's not really part of the study or it can be but it's mainly the words that they use that we're focusing on in that section of the study Understood. So um, for part one and two, it's really trying to find people where these sort of situations have arisen, be it getting a new horse or sadly losing one, and then being starting the process of talking about it and how they feel and how they feel the relationships are developing. Yeah. Yes, and I should I should emphasize that you know you can enter part one or part two or both, whatever. There's no obligation to enter one particular part or both. Mm. Um, and how um, long with this kind of study do you envisage it going on? Because I imagine it's going to take a while to collect the information for these sorts of things. Will it be open for, for some time for people to share their experiences? 
Yes, obviously it depends on how many people we get in the in the first wave of enthusiasm, really. Um, if it's a slow <laughs> trickle, then we're keep it, going to keep it open for longer. If we suddenly mm. get inundated with responses, we might have to close it, but we really can't tell you at the moment because it does depend yeah. on the response. Yes, understood. Just basically how much of Linda's retirement we want to take up for her. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping you busy is very important, Jo. <laughs> as long as it doesn't interfere with my horse riding. <laughs> this is true. Absolutely. Your own horse is first. Fantastic. The best one, and... which is a mare, I should add. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and... Um, so this kind of study, it, um, I imagine, took a little bit of time to organise and set up because there's so many parts of it. And I sometimes wonder if people appreciate how much hard work goes into just starting a study. Um, I know that this was a, a bit of a, um, a passion for you both and it has taken some time to get here. Yeah, it's a well, total yeah. labour of love. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, was it about three and a half years ago I did that webinar and then we were very excited and it took a while because it's all gone through sort of ethical review process to to get sort of ethics side of it all sorted um so that took a while and then was the whole website design so Linda's become like website programmer creating our website for us um so yeah it and because this is something we're doing in our our free time um mm. it it sort of does drag on a little bit to to get it started but um that's why it's even more exciting now I guess when it's all about to to have all launching get some data fantastic so um I'm really excited to share this with everybody and it is all on the website horsehumanrelation.com so please go and have a look even if it piques your interest or you know someone or you yourselves are interested in taking part your um involvement is just paramount to this kind of research and you can easily see how it is going to benefit all of us going forwards so it's really important to to be involved with these sorts of things so just to say again www.horsehumanrelation.com make sure you go and have a look and ladies i hope you'll come back on in the future and tell us how it's going and the kind of fun findings that you you have discovered and share the insights with it with us please yes of course oh, can't wait that's <laughs> you're trying to keep us away <laughs> <laughs> oh well, thank you so much for your time i enjoyed talking to you today thank you and thank you thank you Ellen. hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and the Stable Science series. If you want to learn more about this topic and our work, head over to the drdavidmarlin.com website. Our website and community of members discuss a wide breadth of topics and the website houses thousands of articles, webinars, videos and research, all designed to help horse owners, riders, trainers and breeders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. The drdavidmarlin.com site is an independent information resource for all equestrians, a source of unbiased, science-based research. To learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.